Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's going on, Bird Gang? This is Darren Sproles here. I just want to thank you all for tuning in to Eagles Brawl, the Brawl Network. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly. This is a Brawl Network production. You're listening to the Eagles Brawl Podcast. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! Here to take you on the road to victory. It's Connor Miles, Ed Cross, Johnny Page, and Tyler Steege. All right, thanks for tuning in to Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However, you're listening, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, or wherever you're getting the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Co-host Connor Miles here with our Eagles Brawl, Eagles Insider, Ed Cross, as usual, of Sports Illustrated. Ed, crazy week. Eagles obviously lost to Baltimore. We haven't really got a chance to get into it. We will in this episode. But uh, I just want to start off saying Carson Wentz, has officially solidified to us that he's back. He's playing. I actually saw a reference online. I don't know who, who I can give credit to. I forget who said it, but I completely agree with them. As somebody who avidly watched Carson Wentz at North Dakota State, he's playing FFC, uh, excuse me, FCS type level play right now. He's playing how he played at North Dakota State. He's running the ball a lot. He's realizing that he doesn't have that many playmakers on his team. He doesn't have that many talented players on his team. He needs to put. He needs to do what he can to to will the Eagles to win games. And that against Baltimore, one of the best defenses in the league, one of the best teams in the league, he showed us that he could do that. He put the Eagles in position to win games. He was the Carson Wentz that we keep grown to expect. Every week with Carson Wentz since, really, since he was drafted, I know his rookie stats don't suggest it, but since he was drafted, I, myself as a fan, and I know many other fans, have been confident that they'll win every game because Carson Wentz is the starting quarterback. That's, that's the confidence that he builds in a fan base. That's the talent that he has so many feel that the Eagles are going to always have a chance to win a game because Carson Wentz is their quarterback. And my tip my hat to him because he proved that against Baltimore, even after this rough start to the season. So to me, that game against Baltimore stats aside, because a lot of drop passes, there was a lot of missed opportunities on the field that were of no fault to his own. Given everything that went on the offensive line, Jamon Brown, who just recently just got released not a minute ago before we started recording. He awful performance. We'll get into the offensive line, but uh, with everything going wrong around him, Carson Wentz still will the Eagles in a position to win the game against a really playoff caliber team. They were the number one seed in AFC last year. So, what did you think? Do you, th- do you think that was the game where Carson Wentz finally told you that he was back? Because I know you were critical as yourself. Yeah, I mean, listen, you talk about him winning over the fan base, and he should be. I mean, there's still a segment of the fan base that is not going to be won over by no matter what Carson Wentz does, but. Um, to see what he's doing with his feet, 
is really uh, kind of special, if you ask me. I mean, um, because he's a big guy, you know, he's just a big horse that, you know, can pick up yards. And, you know, not only is he winning over some of the fans, but I think how can he not be winning over his teammates at this point? Um, that 40-yard run that he had in the fourth quarter against the Ravens, I mean, he didn't go out of bounds. He was near the sideline. He turned up field, and, you know, he's banging off the guys, and he's going head first. I mean, that's an inspiring run right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it leaves your heart and your, you know, makes your heart leave your chest because you're a little bit afraid that, you know, something's going to break or tear or something because he is running the ball, you know, with such ferocity. But I don't see how, if you're a teammate of his, you're not like, man, we're going we're gonna to give everything we can to help win this game. And then you look at Jamon Brown, who you mentioned, who got released. Somehow he missed that message because there were plays like I think everybody maybe has seen by now. He's like adjusting his gloves while yeah. the play's going on and someone's breaking to the outside of him that he, you know, instead of picking him up, he's, he's standing there, you know. He sacked know Carson he Wentz. He sacked Carson Wentz. I, you know. he, he was a part of it. Look, I – I have to take the huge L on that one because I even said myself, Matt Pryor has been awful this year, but he has not been Jermon Brown drastically awful. That was a release-type performance. I was going to say it before the episode. They made it easy on me. Yeah. That was a cuttable offense how he played. I'd rather see what Sua Apoda could do, or however you say his last name, 78, yeah. what he can do before I see Jermon Brown back on a football field for the Philadelphia Eagles. So I'm glad they made that release. You can't. You can't keep somebody on a roster after playing like that. That was even with, I mean, you have Jeff Satlin as a coach. I think what I did in making my assessment was this guy was a former third round pick. He started for a couple teams in the league. He's filling in on an emergency basis. Uh, Matt Pryor was struggling. Let's see what they can do. Wow. Awful. I'd rather see Matt Pryor. So that's mm-hmm. where I'm at right there. I'm guessing Matt Pryor is what do you think is going to be the right guard this week against the Giants tomorrow. Well, he still has not been activated from the COVID list. So um, I'm thinking it's going to be Sua Sua Opita is going to be your your, uh, right guard. I mean, well, I'd rather see that than Jermon Brown. I guess the only surprise with Brown was is it took three days to cut him. You know, he should have been chopped Sunday night after the game. I mean, come on. I just say the guard situation. I mean, even with Driscoll going down too, they just probably were like, this is a numbers game right now, but he needs to be cut no matter what. And they finally – got to the point where that decision was able to be made because now they know what the injuries are looking like. They know Lane's going to play. Lane Johnson's playing against New York tomorrow. So having him back, we obviously know how how much better the Eagles are in the win column-wise when Lane Johnson's on the field. You said something to me off air. You even, you even think yourself he's not going to make it through the whole entire game. Well, I don't see how he can. I mean, that ankle, he hasn't made it through a whole game yet. I mean, big kudos to Lane because he's tough as they come. But um... – I don't think the Eagles are doing him any favors by playing him, but I think they're only playing him. Otherwise, it's Brett Toth who's going to get the, the nod there. Um, and, you know, already if Lane comes out, it will be Brett Toth because that's who it was um, when Driscoll went out last week, and Driscoll's not going to play. And now you have Prince Tegan Wanagahu who's been um, protected on the practice squad. But, you know, like you said off air, he's more of a left tackle. I don't think he would come in at right tackle. So who, who's the backup right tackle if, if Toth goes down, if Johnson can't finish? just And now who's the backup guard? I mean, I'm looking – I'm trying to find my depth chart here. Like what happened- I would assume you put – let's just say Lane leaves the game and they're going to play Brett Toth. We already know that's what they're going to do. But uh, if if you don't go Brett Toth, you move Jordan Mulata to right tackle and then you play Prince Tegawawa at left tackle, I guess. Is that – that's I, – I don't – but yeah, that's not – this is not – 
an appealing conversation. <laughs> this is not good. Well, this is listen, a very bad offense law situation. This, this is why the NFC stinks, because your two best teams, the Philadelphia Eagles and Dallas Cowboys, have just been ravaged by injury. I mean, you know, we're talking about the Eagles, but the Cowboys have a lot of injuries too, and, and that's why this division is where it is, and it stinks. But the two best teams, at least going into the season, are so hit with injury that there's nothing they can do. I mean, the Cowboys' offensive line is the same way. Not as bad probably as the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles is just really borderline ridiculous. I mean, you couldn't even script this if you're. It's, uh, I mean, it's pretty bad. Yeah, I, I, I just. Travis don't know Federick retired. Uh, Zach Martin hurt. Yeah, right, I can't cut you so that so that's that's a big issue. Why neither of these teams? Everybody likes to make fun of the NFC East and how bad it is. But listen, that's why, in my opinion, that's a big reason why. And now Dax hurt and Dallas. I mean, just a lot of issues with injuries. I don't know every team has them, but nobody has them on the offensive line. I don't think like the Eagles and Cowboys do. So um, you know, we were talking like who, who's going to back up at guard? Who knows? I mean, Sua Opita was the backup guard last week. Now he's probably going to start. Unless they activate Matt Pryor later um, before the game starts, which they could, um, and then maybe he's the backup. He would probably be the backup. I think it's still going to be Opita's job to start. Um, but then who's the tackle? Brett Toth, Prince Tega, one of the guys, Luke Jariga. You know, he's more of a center, but could they throw him in at guard? I mean, it's just Jeff Stoutland, like I said, I think last week, he's the MVP of the team right now, the line coach. Yeah, I. they could even – if Matt Pryor plays and Lane Johnson leaves the game, they might even say, hey, Brett Toth is barely here, not really that ready. Pryor does have offensive tackle experience. Slide him over and put Suo Pitta in. But, I mean, yeah, no, this is not a – this is not a – yeah, it's never – it's not a favorable position no matter what they do because no. if Lane leaves the game, they're theoretically in a tough situation. I think the lucky thing – not even that. It's not even lucky anymore. The Giants' defense has improved. I think a lot of people are overlooking the fact because they don't really have that many names on it, but – I mean, Patrick Graham, their defensive coordinator, at least is making their unit aspiring. It's really just the offense that's falling apart for them in New York. Yep. And Daniel Jones not taking that leap that you need a sophomore quarterback to take. That's the the real thing here. I think the Giants defense has improved a lot. So uh, considering where they were, it's not like it's a top unit or anything, but considering where they were last year, it's it's different this year. Uh, their pass rush isn't that great still, but they're good against the run now. Blake Martinez has helped them out a lot. But – yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know how I – know, I know you wrote about it in your article, and I'm going to get into this conversation now, but Boston Scott killed the Giants last year. It's not going to happen this year. I don't think it's going to happen this year. With the way the offensive line's working, the way that they're playing the run this year, yeah, uh, awful in run blocking this year. It, the issues are out of the running back position is outside the players. It's, it's also the offensive line, too. They're struggling mightily in the run blocking department. I don't think we're going to see a Boston Scott type game. I and then it looks like they're just going to roll in this game just fine and dandy with Boston Scott, uh, Corey Clement, and Jason Hutley. Doesn't I, it? Doesn't I don't know if if you have any indication of anything else, but it doesn't look like they're going to bring up anywhere from the practice squad. Elijah Holyfield, your boy, doesn't yeah. seem like he's going to be on the guy. <clears throat> Excuse me, but with me, I'm the Eagles, and you're going to be aggressive during this trade line or you're not? Because I know Adam Schefter said on ninety seven point five today that they might be sellers. There's been a report that might be aggressive. I don't even think the Eagles know what they're going to do. I think this is just uh, leaks out there right now. I don't think they know where they're at because this division is so wide open. I think after these next couple of games, once you approach the trade deadline the week of, then you can decide where you're at. I don't think the Eagles have – they're not rushing decision right now, but 
you free up this cap space with reworking Fletcher Cox's deal. I don't think that's an indication that they're going to be aggressive at the trade deadline. I still think they're worrying about the next year's cap. And as much as you can get to roll over as you can, I think matters to them at this point. Uh, but you're giving yourself options no matter what. You're giving yourself options no matter what to either add to the roster and have the cap carry over, be what you thought it was going to be, or you add to it. I'm looking at the running back position, Ed. I think you look at the free agent running back market, blah, blah. It's it's Nothing's really doing it for me there. You look at some teams and what it's going to take to get these said running backs also as well. I think it was matters the most, especially when you're higher Roseman. It might be a conditional six-round pick to get these guys off these teams. I'm I'm looking at the Falcons and Todd Gurley's deal. I'm thinking, you know, J.H.I., Todd Gurley, similar style. Todd Gurley's obviously the better player. He's on a cheap one-year deal with the Falcons. It does it comes off our books next year. They're not going anywhere. They just need picks. Maybe I look into that to compliment Miles Sanders. I think at this point you look at Miles and you say, look, we're halfway through the season. We're we're six weeks into this, and this is how we've been using you, and you're getting banged up. You didn't really have a real training camp. It's affecting your wear and tear into the season. We need you at your full playmaking ability. We need to bring another back in here because Boss and Corey aren't getting it done. Maybe Todd Gurley is the guy. You suggested Jordan Howard as well. I think if Miami gets an offer that is a draft pick-wise, they would say yes at this point, making him inactive next, last week. I think they just didn't expect Miles Gaskin to look the way that he does. I think Jordan Howard is definitely expendable Miami. I, I'm i looking for the trade. If I'm going on the trade route, I'm looking at any possible way to spend the least amount of draft capital I possibly can. I think you can with running back. I mean, they got J.J. for a fourth. I think with the Todd Gurley situation, given his injury history, given his contract, uh, given where he's at in his career, not going to take a fourth. It's going to take less than that. Jordan Howard on his way out of Miami, sitting on the bench. They like Gaskin. They're building towards the future. They're not competing right now. I don't think it takes a fourth. I think it takes anything less than a fourth. I think that's a position I add to, and obviously linebacker as well. There's the Avery Williamsons of the world on the Jets. Uh, I don't think it's going to take much to get him. I like Denzel Perryman out in Los Angeles Chargers. I think they might even shop him as well. That might be a guy to look in towards bringing in here. Uh, really, other than the linebacker market, though, is not that great. I think you, if you bring in a linebacker, it's going to be a guy that's not really a, a household name. It's just a potential contributor maybe at that because uh, we'll get into the linebacker position in a minute. But uh, let's stick to this running back thing real quick. I think you attack the running back market if you're gonna if you're gonna go in the trade market. I don't think you go after a wide receiver. I grow with what you have. You have a lot of youth there, a lot of potential. You got Rager coming back, uh, Deshaun's coming back. You might as well just run him into the ground whenever this venture Alshon situation happens. Which, by the way, awful roster handling, mishandling of a rot. You and I said it in the offseason. You're coming back from Wes Frank injury. The, there's no reason for the Eagles to rush him back. But not only did they rush him back to be on the 53-man roster, they allowed him this seven, almost seven-week vacation uh, of just sitting on that 53-man roster while losing players in the process. Complete mismanagement roster on that part. I completely understand why fans are frustrated with that. But at some point, you do get him back. I don't go after the wide receiver market. I don't even go back after the corner market. Vontae Maddox is back. Jalen Mills can show you that he can play there. Uh Somewhat serviceable, somewhat bad. 50-50. Darius Slay is playing well. I think Nicole Rooney Coleman will pick it up eventually as the season goes on. Uh, you have Will Parks in there who could play the slot. Kalen Wallace could play the slot. I know he's out this week, but he can play the slot. I don't want to go attack the cornerback market. Plus, what it, what it takes to get a corner is too much, too rich for the Eagles to, to pay right now. I go after 
a running back or a linebacker, and I give up as minimum draft capital as I possibly can. If anything is over a fifth, I'm not doing it if I'm in the Eagles' shoes. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned some good names there, running back and linebacker, and they're the two trouble spots for sure. I mean, obviously in the offensive line, but, um, you know, a, a guard got released by the Buffalo Bills on Wednesday, Quentin Spain. Um, started 58 straight games at one point. Somehow he fell into disfavor in Buffalo, and they cut him. And if I'm the Eagles, I'm all in, man. Bring him in. Um, So that addresses your, you know, your guard need um, without having to give up anything except money. So I would bring Quentin Spain in to kind of address the offensive line. But then, you know, as far as going out and trying to bring in a running back or linebacker, the Eagles have to be careful that, they, you know, they don't fool themselves into thinking that, you know, we're a good team because they aren't. They have a lot of issues here. And, you know, exactly. Roseman, you know, gets a lot of heat for his draft picks. And, you know, I'm not ready to go there yet. I know the 2017 class was abysmal, um, but he's getting contributions from the 2018 class, the 2019 class, and even this class in 2020, I think, is going to be pretty good. Um, you know, we saw Sean Bradley get on the field, and I thought Bradley played pretty well. We saw Davion Taylor make a great play with his speed to run Jamal Jackson – I'm sorry, Lamar Jackson uh, out of bounds on one play. I mean, Davion Taylor is fast. We saw that on the field. And um, right. so, you know, I'm not even sure i go after a linebacker at this point. If anything, it's got to be a running back. And they've already been on record back in the offseason of saying we want to add a running back. And they were close to bringing in Carlos Hyde. They – uh, we're ready to kick the tires on Devontae Freeman until the Giants scooped them up when Saquon Barkley went down. And now we're going to see Freeman, who's averaging, you know, over three yards a carry. He would have been great. You know, he would have been great to bring him. But the Giants beat him to the punch. He saw more of an opportunity in New York because Saquon was out. Um, but they, the Eagles just can't fit fool themselves in thinking we're good. I mean, to me, you know, Howie has rarely been a seller at the trade deadline. He's usually been a buyer. We saw him bring in Gennard Avery last year, and that was an investment in the future. Two years ago, it was Golden Tate. They brought him in, and that was more of an immediate uh, need. Uh, they didn't keep him long term, <clears throat> excuse me, but they brought Avery back this year. And we saw him flash against the 49ers. Hasn't really done much since, but, you know, he did have that one game. Um, so I just think if, if I'm Howie, I'm, I might just stay put, keep my draft capital, unless somebody wants to give you something for the price you're willing to pay. Like you said, I wouldn't get it, give anything more than a fifth round pick. If that Um, Jordan Howard would be great to me to bring in certainly Gurley, Todd Gurley would be fantastic, but I don't know what those teams are going to want. I mean, the dolphins, you might be able to pry Howard away with a lower pick because he's not really playing. And the dolphins kind of screwed up this whole quarterback change by benching Fitzpatrick and playing Tua now. And they, the team had to learn about it via social media and the Dolphins were playing well under Fitzpatrick. They had won two in a row, three of four. Um, and now I think they're just going to kind of go the other way. I think you're going to have a divided team. So maybe the Dolphins would part with Howard. <clears throat> he would be the guy I would really target at running back, but I would stay away from linebackers. I think you have Bradley, you have Taylor. Um, you know, I know Gary's in his last year of his deal. He's probably gone. Um, you know, those guys are your future. And then you have to look to replenish the, at that linebacker spot in the draft. And, you know, people want draft picks, but Howie, they, then they rip Howie for making bad draft picks. So um, Howie just has to do a better job drafting. I think he did this past year um, in this class. And like I said, the 2018 class looks pretty decent. Um, but the more picks you have, the, you know, it kind of, you know, you can mess up a couple of them. You know, if you have 10 picks like they had, 
this year as opposed to five last year and five the year before. That gives you a very more narrow margin to screw up if you only have a handful of picks. If you have 10, you can miss on one or two of them or three of them. So I think if I'm the Eagles, I'm hanging on to my picks. Um, I might even be a seller, to be honest. I, I would have to think who they'd want to sell. Um, you know, Brandon Graham's playing great, but you'd hate to deal him. Um, you know, he's fourth in the league in sacks. He would he would probably net you a pretty good haul if you want to go uh, and trade him away. Um, so I think they really – they have until November 3rd. That's the trade deadline. Um, and they have some hard decisions to make. And, um, again, I don't think they should look at themselves if they beat the Giants and Cowboys in the next two weeks and say, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're getting good again We're because they're not that good of a team. Yeah, they could win the division, get in the playoffs, and maybe they catch lightning in a bottle. But to me, realistically, they have to tell themselves, we need help at many different spots. We need to get younger. Let's keep our draft picks. I completely agree with you. So what I'm what I just I make that be known right now. I completely agree with you. I don't think they're that good of a team. You and I talk about it frequently, anyways, uh, off the podcast. But they're not going to think that way. You know, High Rose is not going to think that way. His job, his job is. I think, I think it's a little warm, no matter what. I don't think they'll get rid of him, but I don't think his leash is as long as it's what we're accustomed to being. I don't think how you know Jeffrey Lurie. He doesn't accept failure, especially with how this team is constructed and. I mean, they're, they're three years removed from winning a Super Bowl. He, he's expecting the new norm. Uh, if that doesn't happen, he's going to make changes, as you saw what happened. They even went to playoffs last year, and he still said, Doug, tear up your offensive staff. It's not working. Uh, so if they get into the playoffs this year, it doesn't free them from making changes either. But I, I know with Jim Schwartz's job probably be on the line with Doug feeling some heat, with Howie feeling some heat. There's no – and with this division being so winnable, no way. No way they sell, especially Brandon Graham. He's there. The, 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 that, that, I mean, like you said, he's fourth in sacks. That's that, that's unique pass rush, and he's really the consistent pass rush that they can rely on day in and day out. Well, and don't forget, I mean, Josh Sweat to me is playing. He had a Josh Sweat's amazing. He's a future of this game. defensive end group. Yes, yeah. And Derek Barnett, I think, has played well. Of course, it's always the injury. I agree with your time. theory. I agree with your theory. I just think how you, you like. I'm thinking of it from Howie's perspective, like how winnable this division is. I mean. Look, you look at the history of this team when they when they claw their way into the playoffs outside of last year because I I do think that game against Seattle is a little different if Carson Wentz doesn't get the concussion. Just gonna throw that out there. I do think the game is a little different, mm-hmm. but that's obviously uh, a guess. But I think when this team claws their way into the playoffs, when they get that momentum that's built up at the end of November or even December. They make stuff happen out of nowhere. They they usually, I mean, the double doink, yeah, it was a fluke. It didn't happen, but it put them in a position to go in New Orleans. They they could have easily won that game in New Orleans. Yeah. Uh, even it's, so, I don't think with the way that this team fights, the Ben and known break mentality that they have, they they're, they're even thinking anything about trading away players. But I'm with you. I think you have to sit back and be realistic about this team and uh, go into this trade deadline and think, you know, we need this picks. We. Uh, the fan base can crush me all we want for how we draft, but we need these picks to hopefully that we hit on some of these picks because these guys are going to have to replace some of these older guys when we look at our cap situation next year. So I'm with you. If 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 I'm giving up anything more than a fifth, I don't do it. There's no way. There's no way that I give up anything more than a fifth. Even the fifth is tough. Is a tough sell for me. The only way I, I mentioned Todd Gurley and we mentioned Jordan Howard, it's just because you have to look at yourself in the mirror and think this run game is not working. It works, like you said, perfectly. You put it perfectly last week. 
The run game under Doug Peterson works beautifully when it's running back by committee approach. If I can add that element back to the run game and hopefully give it that spark, that may be worth a sixth round pick, a seventh round pick off a team that is one in five or has, or is going to their rookie quarterback and hoping for the, to get a high draft pick. That's, that's the only way I look at that. But if it's other outside of those situations, no, I don't, I don't even make a trade to be honest with you. I keep, you can win this. The, 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 the sad thing is now we're saying you can win this division before they even made a move. So why do I need them to make a move in order to win this division when we're already, we're already thinking that right now. They have all these guys coming back from injury. Uh, I'm not, and I'm with you. Let's segue into this linebacker talk. But for the third week in a row, after watching the All-22, I come away saying Alex Singleton is their most talented linebacker, though. Right now, currently on this team, Alex Singleton, I think, is their most talented linebacker. And the more that they keep using him, I'm hoping the more he shows it to Jim Schwartz and he wakes up and plays him more. I think Alex Singleton deserves more playing time. I thought Duke Riley being out last week was actually a good thing for the Eagles because of how bad he's been. Uh, he is playing this week, but I'm hoping Alex Singleton did enough to show Jim Schwartz. I either deserve, well, he does deserve more snaps than Duke Riley, but I'm not sure he's going to get it. Or I deserve at least a timeshare with Duke Riley to get on this field. I deserve to be on this field. It's not even just playing good against the run. I know he might be struggling in coverage, but he's all around the ball and he can tackle in space. And that's something that we haven't seen from this linebacking corp. So I'm all in on Zach, Alex Singleton. He is currently right now their best linebacker. You mentioned Davion Taylor. Obviously, it was a numbers game and why he was on the field. They didn't have Duke Riley. They didn't have TJ Edwards. They, they're decimated at linebacker talent-wise and injury-wise. Yep, He gets on the field because of that. But I thought in those seven snaps, he showed you enough to continue the seven snaps going into the next week. And then maybe, because it's a short week, that's probably why I would go ahead and, if anything, seven snaps again. But then maybe going to next Sunday... After this long week of rest, make those snaps 14 snaps. Yep. Keep growing him. And now it's maybe now it's time to put Devion Taylor in, get him that experience. Because we always talk about how raw he is, how inexperienced he is. I mean, I preach it to the day I die because I always say I want to see Sean Bradley over Devion Taylor. But eventually, Devion Taylor has to be your future at linebacker. He was your highest investment at linebacker currently on this roster. Third round pick. That's the highest drafted player at linebacker on this roster. You have to get him this experience so he's ready to become that player that you're hoping he can be next year. So continue gradually giving him the snaps. Don't don't let Duke Riley's return mess that up. Don't let TJ Edwards coming back when he comes back mess that up. Continue giving him those minimal mouse hats, let him grow. And same with Sean Bradley. I agree with you. He looked great flying around the ball uh, very fast, way faster than he gets credit for. I mean, I don't I don't understand why I, they're going to continue playing a Gary, but I mean. These linebackers are at least showing you something where I'm thinking I would decrease Nate Gary snaps by now, but we can keep crying to the choir about that all day long. That's what we all do. That's Eagles fans all over uh, social media. He's not going to get benched. I don't think he's not even going to play less. Nate no. Gary is Jim Schwartz's linebacker one no matter what, but I think Alex Singleton is their most talented linebacker right now. Certainly the most game linebacker, you know, he'll stick his nose in there. You know, to me, sometimes with Gary, it looks like he's not really, you know, willing to get in there and make a tackle. You know, it makes bad. I think Gary looks lost too many times for my liking. He doesn't look like he knows what's going on. Alex Singleton at least looks like he lets the game come to him. Mm -hmm. One player looks like a seasoned vet. The other player looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I think this is going to be Nate Gary's last year. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't try to, you know, not – 
completely take away all his snaps, but, you know, decrease them from, you know, the 100% or 98%, whatever he plays every game, to, you know, back it off to 75%, bring it down to 50%. You know, let's put some other guys out. Guys we know who, like you said, are going to be part of this team going forward. Sean Bradley, Davion Taylor, maybe Alex Singleton. Um, that's that's really what they should do. And, you know, we've talked about it since week one at the linebacker core. It's the weak link. Um, and it's probably going to remain that way for whatever reason. Now, maybe Schwartz will surprise us, and maybe, you know, he will start to back off a little bit on Gary's snaps uh, now that Duke Riley's back. And, you know, how do you take away snaps from Sean Bradley, and why would you give Davion Taylor no snaps again uh, when they showed that they, they can handle a role? Um, and in order to get them in to handle that role and get better in their roles is to take some time away from some of the other guys, especially guys like Gary who aren't going to be here next year. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we, you know, the linebacker core is weak. We know it. Um, and, but just, you know, getting back to that trade deadline talk, I just wanted to make one more point about it was, you know, you have to view if you're Howie Roseman, the, that the guys you're getting back, uh, after the buy, you know, Jalen Rager, um, maybe Dallas Goddard at some point, you have to look at those guys coming back. Miles Sanders might be back for Dallas, probably should be, but, Again, you have to look at some of these guys you're getting back as your acquisitions at the trade deadline. These are good guys, guys that have been on the team. Um, so that's how you have to view it. It's, hey, we're, it's kind of like we're making a trade because we're getting these guys back after they've missed some time. So don't be in any rush to make a deal and, and weaken your uh, draft capital going into next year. I absolutely agree because the the one area of the field that they still need is playmaking ability, and Joe Rayer brings that back to you. Because yep. uh, I'm, I'm still in on John Hightower. I know these drops are crucial. These drops are these – He's had a, a rough to handle. I, I think it's a case of rookiness, to be honest with you, just being a rookie, uh, still building that chemistry. Carson Wentz, but I mean, the balls are right there. You got to catch him. I'm sorry to make excuses for him. Well, I got to yeah, catch his path. I, I like the way he came back and caught the 50 order later yeah. in the game. I mean, that's my thing, though. It, when J. Job was dropped something, then the confidence is ruined and he's done. Uh, he, we've seen it with Nelson Aguilar. At least John Hightower, fifth round pick, who has shown you. His route running is definitely on par with NFL caliber wide receiving route running. Can get open, get open downfield, get in a position to get that that deep pass from Carson Wentz. It's just catching it. And then you're right, you said he bounced back and he caught the next one. I mean, he has to just continue to tune out the Philadelphia noise. I mean, we kill these guys once they drop passes. The NFL, honestly, Ed, the NFL is all about drop passes. It's every team goes through drop passes. The top wide receivers in this game have high numbers of top of drop passes because they're targeted so much. It's just the game of football. Drop passes happen. The Eagles can overcome the drop passes if their wide receivers continue to make plays after they drop those passes. That's the issue that they haven't had is that the drops continue, continue, continue. And there's no production. At least John Hightower is still getting open. He's still making plays like you just alluded to. He made a big catch the next, the next go around. I'm excited for that. That's what I like to see. That's, that's progress. And then Travis Fulgham too. I mean, uh, for for first half, uh, I mean, I thought the Ravens paid him some extra attention this week from what it looks like from all twenty two. Again, he was all moved up all around the field. They used him in the slot again. I like that as well. Uh, they can put him anywhere, and he's winning from all sides of the field, which is what you love to see from a receiver. Because uh, what we've always preached about during the off seasons is we want to see a wide receiver that can win in the Y, the Z, and the X. We don't want to see Doug Peterson have to pigeonhole guys into like the slot like he has with Jordan Matthews and Nelson Aguilar. They finally have a wide receiver they can move all around. I'm all, I can officially say it myself, Ed, and I even ordered the jersey myself. Travis Fulgham is for real. 
I think he's I think he's here to stay. I think he's a I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be a wide receiver one for this team, but I think they found their contributor for the future. I think a lot of people are starting to notice it too. And I've also heard some say that he might actually be the future slot of this team, which is interesting because I, I vision it as an, as the future X. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree, you know, and, and talking about drops and that was one thing Carson Wentz said about, you know, the mistakes. It's not just the drops from the receivers. It's a missed block by alignment. It's a missed tackle by somebody else. It's how you respond to that. And, and, um, and Carson talks to these, his receivers all the time. Like even Wentz said, I overthrow guys. I make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes and it's how you respond to them. And that's what I liked about Hightower. And that's what we haven't seen from JJ. You know, it almost seems like, you know, he lets those mistakes, you know, fester uh, and get the better of them and then affect his confidence. Um, uh, but, you know, I will say, you know, JJ looked, you know, he, he was on the spot to recover that fumble by Sanders yeah. um, down the field blocking. He's good in the red zone. He's I mean, good that, in the red zone. That That's not why you drafted him. But, you know, <laughs> he he hasn't given up on himself. So I think he's kind of learning how to maybe have that short memory. I mean, not everybody can handle it. You know, these these guys are humans, too. And but I like the leadership Carson said that he talks to these guys about it all the time is you make a mistake. I make mistakes. It's to put it behind you and make a play the next time you're in the you're given the opportunity to. And we saw Hightower do that. And I love that about him. And Fulgham, you know, he had a couple drops. You know, he probably should have had that Hail Mary catch in the end zone against Baltimore. Uh, It was in his hands. I know it's a tough catch. There's a lot of traffic around him. Um, But again, he doesn't let anything he does, any drops or balls he thinks he should have caught, affect him. He goes out and he battles till the next play. And I'm surprised you don't have his jersey yet, Connor. <laughs> it's in it's in the mail. Okay, it's in the mail. I didn't yeah. worry. I got it. All, I got it. All, I got it on sale. Fanatics had a sale for them too. There was only eighty bucks, so I got to save a couple bucks on yeah, it too. So yes, okay. it's in the mail. But because he is legit, I look. Travis Fulgham is everything that they thought JJ Arcega Whiteside would be. Right. That's what that's what it comes down to. Is they they everything they drafted JJ Arcega Whiteside to be Travis Fulgham has shown them. In the span of four games, he can be for them. Right. So and I'm so excited about him. People want to rip Howie for taking JJ in the second round. And yeah, that's a bad draft pick if it doesn't work out. But you have to credit him for bringing in Travis Fulgham off Man, the crappy. I don't want to. I. It's always. I don't understand why it's always a war of, uh, you know, this guy does this good, but he does this bad. So we can't give him credit for it. Because that's what this. The, what I've noticed with other Eagles shows is they always like to feed on the fan base of whoever that they're hating on right now because yeah. it gains a lot of attention. It gains a lot of views. It gains a lot of uh, reposting and, and engagement and interaction. I, I completely understand. This is this industry is a numbers game. That's what it is. And as much as the you get the fans going wild, you get a lot of people talking, boom, that's awesome. But I did hear a show say we sh- they, they completely – did not give Howie Rosen credit for the Travis Fulgham thing. They pretty much uh, assumed a scout because a scout pointed out Travis Fulgham to the team, and that that's who should be getting credit for Travis Fulgham falling out. But that's what the scouting department's there for. I know somebody that works in the Eagles scouting department. She she writes a report and then she hands it to somebody. She that's it. So it's so how he well, read the report and then went with it though. So that's his decision. And it's so yes, I'm going to give him credit for it. It's the same with JJ. Somebody wrote a report. I mean, it's not like how he's going out and scouting these guys. I mean, this is right. Cool. They're going off their scouting report. That's what they get hired for. Right. So to give right. a, give a scout credit for writing a book report 
and Howie Roseman picking that report and giving it an A. Yeah. I I mean, I, I don't know, man. I it's a team. Yeah, I don't understand why a team is is a team sport, yep. but it's also an organizational sport from a top down. Front office matters. Everybody yeah. in that building has a role in what player comes into the team. It's not just one guy. It's crazy how we always point these fingers. It's yeah. always something with and it's just I it's because nobody knows it. any of the scouts' names. It's not like you can, you know, point to a scout and say it's his fault. It's because Howie's the one pulling the right. And I, I literally only know this girl because I grew up with her in grade school. Yeah. That's literally all I know how I know her. I, I'm not going to act like I'm a big shot or anything like that. I literally went to school with her in Philadelphia and we grew up together. And she got a great opportunity in the Eagles front office that she only t- – and I literally asked her myself because I heard this report and I was like, so-and-so, this was crazy. I heard this. What would you say to that? And she goes, we literally write reports and we give them to Howie Roseman and he reads the reports and he chooses the players based off of our reports. It's kind of wrong to fault a scout for doing their job because they didn't have a say if the player was signed right. or not. That's right. Quote by quote is what she said. And then it's right. So, but I see everybody on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter saying, oh, you know, we can't really give Howie credit anymore because so-and-so said this about the scout. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Feeding off the people's disconnect, though that I think that's wrong. All right, this, these things are supposed to be informative. Yep. It's cool to say, like, yeah, a scout wrote a great report about Travis Fulgham, and 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 the team listened to their scout, like most teams do. But I mean, to feed off of like the disconnect there, I think that's a little shady. That's not how I like to do things. Well, and if you're going to say that, then you have to say, well, a scout wrote a bad report on JJ Ortega Whiteside because you know that that's the reality. Scout wrote a lot of yeah, but I say if if you if you're going to give yeah. ca- if you're going to yeah if you're going to say the scout get deserves credit for this, but then Howie Rosen's to blame for J.J.R. Cycle White's no, on it. Doesn't history, work pal. Doesn't, yeah. work, yeah. doesn't work that way. <laughs> the whole scouting department, like J.J.R. Cycle White's on a lot. Even her, even she herself did. She thought, literally thought herself that he was going to come in and beat the Alshon Jeffrey that they thought he was going to be for the long term because they knew Alshon was going to be around for the long term. Yeah. That's literally all the thinking they went in for J.J.R. Cycle White's scouting. And it looks like that on Stanford film. I get why they thought that, but it, he just hasn't translated to that player in the NFL. But it, Unexpected trouble? CashNet USA can take the stress out of borrowing emergency funds. Our fast, secure application process makes it easy to apply online 24-7. Plus, CashNet USA offers same-day funding if approved before 10.30 a.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Additional terms may apply. Visit CashNetUSA.com or tap the banner to apply today. On to other stuff, man, because this is its silly. I hear this stuff, and I, and I see everybody feeding off the hysteria of it. I'm like... Oh no, the disconnect there. And the reason why I feel like I don't have that disconnect and why people are probably like, why does Connor feel entitled this way? I don't. I work for USA Today. I wrote for the Eagles, work for USA Today. I understand. I talked to, I've talked to scout office people, front office people, players, talked to beat writers. Ed, you've done this for 10 years. You've even said it yourself. It's both teams. Like everybody's involved in this. Yep. To feed off of people's hysteria because of their disconnect, I think is just wrong. I don't, I don't agree with that. That's just my opinion. But to to give a scout credit for a good report on Travis Fulgham is absolutely silly, absolutely silly. But Ed, yep. let's segue into other news because I'm starting to really like the Jalen Hurts incorporation. It throws defenses off completely. He's actually doing well in these situations. I think it's a huge thing for a player, especially at a quarterback position which it takes rhythm, it takes repetition, it takes reps, it takes hikes, it takes snaps to really get in a feel for it. But when he goes in there, 
the game looks like it's a little slowing down for him. He he runs the ball well like he's always has since his Alabama days. But his passing, I, I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan. That Richard Rodgers passes. Uh, I don't think it was this past weekend that he Steelers. threw Richard. It's the Steelers. Steelers, yeah. But that was perfect. And then he's throwing Don Martindale off, which is one of the best defensive coordinators in the league when he's in the game. I think the Eagles have something here, this play design, these packages. I just think if the offense around him in these certain designs was productive in itself, these plays would be working way better than they are already. So I, I'm a fan of the Jalen Hurts insertion. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think I don't think they use them enough. I mean, I think you can do yeah. a lot of, uh, you know, uh, fakes to Jalen Hurts. You know, you could you could put him in motion and fake a jet sweep handoff or, or give him that forward pitch, uh, fake it fake it to him because, you know, he's a distraction. When you have two players on the field that can throw the ball, you have to make sure you know where he is and, and if he's getting the ball, and then what's he going to do with it? I don't think they use him enough. I mean, I thought that throwback that they had on Sunday against the Ravens gained four yards. That was one of the installs that uh, I had seen last week and talked about that we're not allowed to talk about was that, you know, give it to Jalen, throw it back to Carson, and then Carson throws it somewhere. I mean, you know, that that just takes too long to develop, in my opinion. I think you need to be a little more uh, direct with how you're going to use Hurts. And to me – I would prefer in that type of play, Jalen snap. it's Jalen snaps, and then he throws it to Carson, and Carson throws it on field then rather than all the back and forth before that. Just even play play action to him. Just fake a pitch and throw it – I mean, just get him more involved. I mean, he played seven snaps, not enough. Uh, I wrote a story on who's going to have a greater impact on the offense. Jalen Hurts with Deshaun Jackson on Thursday night. Deshaun's going to play. He was a full participant in Wednesday's practice. Um, So who's going to put? Who's going to have the more the greater impact? And the thing with Jack, I think it's going to be Hurts because I think Jack. The thing you have to worry about is is he going to play five plays before he starts to clutch the back of his leg and limp off with the hamstring acting up? You don't know. I mean, history shows that, yeah, he's not going to make it through 50 snaps in the game. But Hurts, you can do stuff with him. Uh, even Joe Judge, the Giants coach we had on yesterday, he's coming back to Philadelphia. He grew up here. Uh, great guy. I know Joe pretty well. I covered him when he was the high school quarterback in the suburban area here. Um, even he said, you can't go to sleep when Hurts is on the field thinking he's just going to run because he can throw it. And the Eagles have to kind of design some plays where – it looks like he might throw, but he doesn't, or he does throw. I mean, they, there's so much more they can do with him that they haven't done, and that surprises me. Maybe it's because they didn't have the offseason. But, you know, to me, Hurts, you drafted him in the second round. Let's get some use out of him. You know, he's not going to be your full-time quarterback, but there is things you can do with him, and they're just not doing enough of it. And you hope that, you know, they play Thursday, then they have 10 days off before they play again. So maybe they'll keep designing some plays for him, some different situations for him. And then you have the bye week. So then you can do a little bit more to get him more incorporated um, because he needs to be more involved. Right. I completely agree with you on the article too, because I read it myself, obviously as well, as we always listen read Ed's work and John McBone's work on Eagles uh, sports illustrated page. I, I thought myself that Jalen Hurts will have more of an impact against the Giants than Deshaun Jackson will as well, because not only are you right about the fact he's not going to play 50 snaps, but the Eagles aren't going to allow him to even if he wants to. They're going to put him on a pitch count like they did to start the season off. They, I, I mean, at least I assume so. I don't know if you're at the point in the season where you're like, whatever, at this point, whatever Deshaun can give us, Deshaun can give us, and if he can't play, he can't play. Uh, that's where I would be at personally, but I don't know if the Eagles are going to be there because of how they managed him to start the season. But I'm with you. Get more Jalen Hurts, and not only that, 
not only that, we're talking about bringing this running back in. We're talking about Todd Gurley, Jordan Howard. Jalen Hurts is a very good power runner. Start incorporating him in the run more. What's wrong with that? He pretty much played the running back position in Alabama if you really want to get technical with it. I would put him and start handing him the ball off. He's he's their second best running back on the team, in my opinion, behind Miles Sanders. He's absolutely absolutely. second second best runner. Second best runner on the team. Uh, you could just say that too, I would think. Uh, I mean Carson uh, Wentz yeah, is I would, I would. rusher on this team. You don't want your quarterback being a second <laughs> rusher on the team. Daniel Jones oh, and he's not in rushing with so listen, you know, this game, the Eagles should beat the Giants. I mean, Daniel Jones is the right. leading rusher as a quarterback. Carson Wentz is the second leading rusher. You're right about Hurts. He should definitely be given the ball as more of a power back, maybe between the tackles. Like I said, there's so much more that they can do with him. And the fact that they haven't done it, it's either an indictment on the coaches or not having an offseason or both. But to me, it's it's really seeing how he has come on um, now, maybe he needed these games to kind of get his feet wet and to get a little bit more comfortable. Maybe he needed that. that no, it's there. I think it's there. It's I there. think the confidence is there. Yeah, it's there. Yep. You put him on put him on the field more and start being creative. Yep. All I ask. That's yep. all I ask. So you obviously think that they're beat the Giants. I think so as well. Just I think it's just – here's the thing I worry about, and they do it every year. They play down to the Giants sometimes, and I, that infuriates me because right now you're 1-4-1. Don't play any game like it's a cakewalk. You could easily lose these games, especially with all the injuries sure. you have. Sure. And I, I, we're, we're sitting here a day before the game trying to decipher what they're going to do with the offensive line. And that's one of the most important positions of the field. That's really how the Eagles won a Super Bowl is building through their line. Lee Jackson's out. That's a huge blow because he's been playing so well this year. Uh, I'm thinking you need to go out. Start setting the tone right away. You don't have Miles Sanders, which is awful. Uh, Boston Scott, I don't think you've utilized him the correct way this year, but I also don't think you have the proper offensive lineman in place that can run Brock well for his style of running either. So I I, I don't know what you do, but you need to set the tone with the run game, and that's what I was going to tell you is you get Jalen Hurts involved in that, but you and I have already gotten heavy into the Jalen Hurts conversation. But I go out early. Once I get that ball and I set the tone on the ground and then open up the rest of the play action because, look, we've I said it earlier in the show, the Giants defense has gotten a lot better. James Bradbury has been playing good football for the Giants this year. I expect him to give one of these wide receivers, whether it's Travis Fulgham, who I think that they're going to primarily put him on anyways, uh, he's going to give him a tough time. It's going to be a tough competition. I think Do I think Travis Fulgham can win those matchups? Of course. I don't think James, James Bradbury. Barry's a top 10 corner by any means, but he's playing good football this year. He's fitting what uh, Patrick Graham is asking for in that defense. Well, I just think you need to attack. You, you need to attack the rest of the secondary, obviously. So I need to see you set this tone with a run and then open up a play action because it's like, you don't have Zach Ertz. You don't really have much to go on. You don't have Miles Sanders. You're going to need a bunch of unexpected guys to step up again. Another week in a row to do so. You need to set the tone running the ball. That's, that's my opinion. Yeah, but they can't because because they're not good at running the ball. Yeah, yeah so it's awesome. um, so it's going to be tough. Um, but you mentioned Fulgham, and I know Giovanni's out there listening, man. And I know he loves Fulgham. And listen, James Bradbury, okay, yeah, he's good, playing well. But he went against the best corners and safeties, I think, in football against the Ravens. 
that touchdown catch he made on a fourth down throw, an 18-yarder that he leapt up. It was tough. Between tough. Marcus Peters and um, Marlon Humphrey. I mean, you know, Jimmy Smith. I mean, he, he went against this secondary that is one of the best in the NFL, still caught a touchdown, still had six catches for 75 yards. So, yeah, sure, good luck, James Bradbury. Maybe you'll have some luck, but I think Fulgham will get the best of him. Uh, I think having Deshaun, no matter how many plays he might play, will help. Who's going to guard him? Um, you know, it's concerning not having Zach Ertz, even though he hasn't been, you know, the big uh, you know, pass catcher that he's been in previous years, of course, but still. He does having, good against the Giants. He he scored, He does well against the Giants. Well, and so. just having his presence, missing right. that presence alone um, will allow some, you know, some help to be had on the outside to some of these other guys because you won't have to pay a whole lot of attention. Although I will say Richard Rodgers has stepped in and uh, he's done He's okay. played well. Yeah, I he, thought he's played well too. He, he's been a serviceable guy. Um, and, and now we'll see Jason Kroom. I mean, you know. It was funny when he caught that touchdown pass against Baltimore when he was wide open. I saw a tweet. Someone tweeted out that said that I thought it was somebody that came out of the stands. To catch the <laughs> Which is yeah, hilarious. I, I saw, yeah, I saw somebody thought, uh, I said, somebody said, uh, did one of the cardboard cutouts just run out of the stands and catch this touchdown? <laughs> yeah. It's funny because oh uh, before yeah, the game started, I texted you. Yeah. I texted you before the game, and I was like, Hakeem Butler's uh, active today. Wow. And then and you're like, yeah, he's not going to play much. It's just a numbers game. And I was like, yeah, I, I would assume Jason Kroom uh, gets more gets the playing time over him. And then Kroom comes in for one play and catches a touchdown. <laughs> yep, and everybody's like, who is this guy? I'm like, I remember. One play, one touchdown I, catch. Someone else. I, I saw mean, two this week. He's on pay. You know, if you were to pay 36 snaps, he's on pace for 36 touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, there we go. He's tight end two this week, so we'll see what he can do against the Giants. Yep, yep, yep. He's on their active roster now. But, um, yeah, I just think you're right about having to run the ball for the Giants. But, you know, Boston Scott, he's, he had 266 yards of total offense in two games. He was the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. I mean, that guy just did some major, major damage against the Giants last year. But he had a, also had an offensive line that was more or less healthy. He doesn't have that this year. And he's a guy that needs some space to create. He's not, you know, running between the tackles type. They really don't have a guy to run between the tackles. Um, but, you know, I don't know how they're going to run the ball. I mean, Carson Wentz is going to have to get free. You're going to have to account for Blake Martinez, like you said, the linebacker. Um, their defensive line's actually pretty good. Um, yeah. with the kid from Clemson they got a couple years Mr. ago. Mr. Lawrence, yeah, he's yeah, a good player. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Dalvin Thomas, I mean, they, they have a pretty good uh, defensive line. So, um, I, again, I think they're going to probably have to throw to set up the run. Um, right. And I suspect this will be another 40-pass game for Wentz um, because that's so. the, yeah, that's really kind of their only option to me. I mean, this running back core is just – not good enough. Even with Miles Sanders, it's just the yeah, reliance on one, yeah, one player just to me is not the way to play in, in this day and age in the NFL. They got to cut Corey Clement. It's the it was yeah, a great he, time while lasted, but he's just he's not the good. They de- I would rather much see, and we say it every episode, but I'd still much rather see what Elijah Holyfield can do yeah. than continue to run Corey Clement out there who continues wow. to bruise. My opinion, Holyfield had a better camp than Clement. You know, I know Clement had a de- you know decent camp, but Holyfield's was better. But then, how do you have, you know? We've talked about training camp. I mean, 
some of these players look good in camp, and then when the game yeah. starts, you don't know. So we don't know what old Holyfield can do in an actual game. He hasn't had the opportunity, but my God, I just think it's time to give him the opportunity. Exactly. Well, I didn't know what Travis took him to do in an actual game, but then they were forced yeah. to give him the opportunity, and look what happened. I'd rather just see somebody else than I'd rather just, I'd rather see the unknown at this point than right. stick with the known because. Yeah. Corey not doing anything for you except wasting a roster spot yeah. at this point. I mean, you can name a few players. Jordan Mulata, he wasn't known. Now we exactly. know. Nate Herbig, exactly. we didn't know. Now we know. I mean, you know, until you see guys to determine if you know, you know, and if you don't see anything, then okay, all right, we'll see you. You move on from him and you go to something else. But a lot of times these guys surprise you, and we've seen that with the Eagles, with Mulata, with Herbig, with Fulgham. Um, and, and so why not Holyfield? I don't know. I would love to ask Doug. I haven't had a question in two weeks, and that's a whole other topic. We got que- questions asked to Doug on Wednesday about the, you know, the all-black uniforms, fans in the stands. You know, yeah. I had like three questions I wanted to find out. The tackle, you know, Tega Wanagahu versus Brett Toth. Um, you know, Holyfield. <laughs> I mean, just, you know, I got a list of them. Misery loves company because we're stuck on this Alshon Jeffrey stuff. I know yeah. I complained about it earlier in the episode, but I'm I'm ready to move on from it. I wish he was just off the team at this point so we could stop talking about this every week because they obviously handled it poorly, the whole situation. Yeah. Uh, that's that's they, Howie. That is one you can – that's not right. a scout. That's Howie. Howie oh, that's Howie. Yeah. And that – when he put – when Alshon put the pen to paper on that extension, that was the kiss of death because ever since then it's been awful with him. Yep. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just tired of it now. But I know you can't talk about – the installments you see at practice, but how does the strong look? I know he's full participant, but has he at least been looking like he at least looks like he's healthy again? Yeah, he, he's looked healthy for the last couple of weeks, to be honest, since he's been out there running around. Now, we didn't have any access to practice this week, short week, um, all walkthrough stuff. So uh, media wasn't allowed uh, on the on the site. So um, I don't know how he looked. I mean, he was a full participant for the first time, but you know, the, the, the previous weeks we've seen him, uh, he looks fine, but it's all, you know, individual stuff um, that we see him. He looks fine running around. I don't know how it feels. I mean, I've torn a hamstring and it, you know, it took me three weeks and my, the back of my leg turned, you know, three different colors through that three oh. weeks. So, I mean, a, a hamstring can be bad, um, but he looked like he was moving fine again, how he felt. We don't know, but he looked good. I don't know. Um, We'll see on Thursday how how good he looks and how long he can play. Yeah, I'm interested, I'm interested to see what happens when he runs full speed. Uh, yeah, what do you think the score is going to be though? I'm interested to see your score prediction. Well, I like that the Eagles put up 29 and 28 points against two of the best defenses in the league these past two weeks, and the Giants aren't in that category of the Steelers or Ravens. So I I like them to score 27 to 30. <clears throat> excuse me, 30 points. Uh, I think officially I called the score 27 to 20. Um, I think it could even be, you know, a bigger spread, but it is a division game. Like you said, sometimes the, you know, these, you could say the Eagles are playing down to the giants, but how do we know the giants aren't playing down to the Eagles at this point? You know, we don't, we don't really know. Um, But I just think the fact that it's an NFC East game, the division's wide open. I mean, normally the uh, the giants at one and five would be out of it. Um, the Eagles at one and four and one would be out of it, but right now it's anybody's division. So the Giants aren't just going to come in here and roll over. They know what's at stake. The Eagles know what's at stake. I think it's going to be a close game. I had a 27, 20, um, I could see the Eagles scoring 30 and maybe the Giants scoring 17. It could be that kind of game and they could beat them by two touchdowns, but I just think by a touchdown and it's going to be close throughout, I think, 
That's my. Point. I think it's going to be close too. I yeah. think Darius Slayton's going to be tough. Golden Tate. Uh, I'm, yeah, I know they're having a run game in it whatsoever, but it's not like the Eagles were the best against the run anyways this season. Uh, it's a division game, so yeah, I think twenty-seven to twenty is a perfect score. So I, I, I but I don't want to make it the same one. So I'll make it twenty-eight to twenty-one. So I do think that the Eagles are going to put up points. Uh, I. It might be lower scoring than that, though, just because it's a divisional game. Yeah, that always. Yeah, when you get that division game, you know it's always tough. It's tough sledding. But I do agree with you. I think that I know the Giants are bad, but I mean, I think we're still trying to figure out how how bad the Eagles actually are, though. Yeah, because exactly. they look bad. I mean, you, look, you come back against the Ravens, you come back against the Steelers. That's all great and dandy, but uh, I kind of think the Steelers and Ravens had comfortable leads where they kind of started to take hits news control a little bit in those games. So when that happens, sure. It's great that they come back and they look good and everything, but not every team's going to be like that. And the giants have everything to play for. Like you just said, they could win the division too. They're still in it. They they look like a bad team, but I mean, it's Joe judge's job. It's everybody on that roster's job to, to win football games. And this division being wide open, they could, as long as they win, they can get the division. They, they still are in it too. So yeah. I think that they're going to come in playing their best football. And if it's not that game, I mean, hopefully you would hope the Eagles can beat the Giants at their best football like they should on paper. But I don't think the Eagles can play down to them. I don't think they can say, you know, we we're, we always beat the Giants. We're, we're, we're great against the Giants. I don't think that could be one of those games. I think you have to go into this game and, and play them like another NFL opponent, play them like you need to get to 2-4-1. So you can lead this division. Well, I mean, everybody thought the Eagles were great against Washington, too, in the opener. And they were. They hadn't lost to them since, you know, I think 2016. Right. We saw what Washington did to them. So all that stuff goes out the window with two teams that you really. It all goes out the window this season because the Eagles are nothing but a lock. Nothing but a lock. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, you can't can't say, okay, they're 7-0, you know, against the Giants in these last couple of years because that doesn't matter. I mean, you got a new coach. You got. Still have Daniel Jones at quarterback, though. I mean, he's only thrown three touchdown passes. They've all been to the same receiver. Um, Evan Ingram, the tight end, who you think could exploit some of the, you know, the the uh, over the middle stuff against the Eagles. He hasn't been real good. Um, I just don't think this offense uh, is that good. And I think the Eagles' offense, like I said, to put up those points, no matter how they did it, whether the Steelers or Ravens took their foot off the gas pedal, the fact the Eagles scored three touchdowns against the Ravens, 22 points, after the Ravens had only given up 23 points in the fourth quarter all year long, to me, that is something you should be able to build on. Yes, that is something you should hang your hat on for sure, yeah. especially after Carson Wentz coming off that performance. I can hang my hat on my quarterback saying that he put in the fight he knew what the odds were against him, but he still played his best football to will this team to win. Put him in position to win. He put him in position to tie it. We can go into the play calling before it was for those tying all we want and it not being that great, but he still he put the team in position to tie it. So I, I tip my hat to the quarterback. He, he I'm excited. Yeah, I, I'm confident in this team that they can uh, win this division, but uh, they're just so lackluster and so inconsistent. They're so banged up. It's, it's hard to even really – to say any game is locked for them going forward, even against the Giants. And again, if they have an offensive line, if Brandon Brooks was healthy, if Lane – Right, whole, whole game change. You know, whole different ball game, I think, with that off- – that's where it all starts. I mean, this is the sixth game or seventh game where they're going to have uh, different offensive linemen. I mean, it, it is so hard to win when that is really – you can talk about the skill guys and the quarterback all you want, but to me the offensive line is the most important unit on the field. Um, you have to be cohesive. You have to have that – know where everybody else is going to be 
and they just haven't had it. And that's really why they've struggled, in my opinion, this year. I know it sounds like an excuse, but it really, it's a fact. No, it's a fact. Uh, this team is built to, to win through the trenches, and when their trenches start getting affected, this football team's record starts getting affected. That's absolutely 100% fact. I think if Brandon Brooks plays this season, uh, he, just Brandon Brooks alone. If, if Lane Johnson was healthy and Brandon Brooks plays this season, whole different ball game on offense right there. The run game probably actually survives. Because last year, Miles Sanders was favoring the right side, the inside zone on the right side, the outside zone on the right side. That's where the Eagles were utilizing the run by, and that was Jason Kelsey, Brandon Brooks, and Lane Johnson. So I, I agree with you. It it started from week one. The loss of Brandon Brooks has affected this team every game yeah. throughout the season. It showed just how, how important Brandon Brooks is. I'm glad that we actually ended the show mentioning that real quick. But Ed, we'll have to have you on for a review of the against the Giants. We'll talk about that uh, after the game as well, see how they fare and what the team looks like and all the recent news after that. Uh, but thanks for joining us again, as always, and glad to have this content out here real quick before the game starts. Looks like we both think the Eagles are going to win. Now, last week you texted me saying, "Never when I when I pick the Eagles to win, stop me next time. <laughs> but I mean, it's the Giants. It is the Giants. Yeah, I think I texted you that when it was 24 to 6. And I'm like, next time I want to pick the Eagles, please talk me out of it. But uh, yeah. I just don't see how I can pick the Giants in this game. I really don't. Nobody can. No. Yeah. All right. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We appreciate it. Again, find all Ed's and John McMullen stuff on the Eagle Sports Illustrator page. These guys are killing it in coverage this week and following the press conference. I know Ed doesn't get as many questions with Doug Peterson in, in the press conference that he wants. Uh, this new COVID rules are really, really, really hurting the industry, man. And Come on. So is it different now? Like when you're in Novacare Complex and you're at the press conference, is it easier to get questions in there than it is much easier than on Zoom? Well, you know, listen, I, I complained about it then too because it's really just a free-for-all. You know, you kind of have to shout down somebody else to get a question, in, but at least you can, you know, you can kind of just, if you have your question all lined up in your head, you can't, you know, stammer or hem and haul. You got to come out firing with the question and you just got to shout down whoever else is asking a question and hope that you do, you know, but I mean, you got a booming you, voice. Yeah. I mean, you have a fighting chance, more of a fight, obviously more of a fighting chance when it's in person and you can kind of go head to head with whoever uh, to ask a question, but on zoom, you're kind of at the mercy when you rate, you know, you have the hand raise option, you raise it and cross your fingers. I hope you get called on and you know, uh, it's uh, rarely does it work. So I would prefer to be down there sitting in the auditorium at Novacare and, you know, uh, trying to raise my voice over others to get my question and, and questions. I, I have a couple questions really, but um, yeah. So anyway, but we don't have it. The COVID thing has changed it and hopefully we'll be done with the COVID for next season. I don't know. Who knows? Let us pray. Please let us pray. Everybody stay safe out there. Thanks for tuning in. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.